You are listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, located in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. I love traveling. I have lived in five states in the past six years, and I have visited at least 25. And I have traveled internationally, six countries to date, but don't worry, there are three more on the docket for the next three years. There is nothing like traveling. New foods, new people, new languages, new sights, new places. I love how naive it is to travel. We walk around with our cameras or those dreaded selfie sticks, taking pictures of the most random things. We hold things like they are unfamiliar endangered species. When I lived in Washington, D.C., I definitely experienced that transition from tourist to resident. People would stop in the middle of the crosswalk to take the picture of that perfect view of the Capitol not to mind all the staffers that are trying to run them over so they can run to their boss and get their work done. Also, in my youth, I loved to go on mission trips. It kind of married my love of travel. We went to Sisseton, South Dakota, St. Louis, Missouri, and Cincinnati, Ohio. And the first one, and the one that changed my life the most, was when I went to Haiti, only six months after the first devastating earthquake in 2010. I can't help but think back on how these mission trips often fell into the traps that we have come to realize are perhaps not the best. I am sure you and me can name the problematic ways we have traveled or lived out discipleship. If I remember correctly, in Cincinnati, Ohio, the owner of a barn that we painted said that it had been painted eight times that summer and in three different colors. (laughs) When I went to Haiti at the age of 14, I noticed that all the houses had three walls of plain cinder blocks, and you could see the rebar sticking up, and they never had a roof, just a blue tarp. At one point, I actually asked the leader of my trip, why are the houses not finished? Yeah, that white suburban first world kid from the Midwest had a lot to learn. And I admit, I still have a lot more to learn. When I studied abroad in Cambodia in college, I was adamant about traveling the right way. We were led by my mentors, a religion professor with a specialty in Buddhist studies, and a sociologist professor with a specialization in feminist and uh, critical race theory. You could see that there might be a little bit of tension. It was so much fun to watch them fight. (laughs) Here are some of the debates we had. We should not give in to their sexism, but we should not paint the religion with a brush. We should empower women but only supporting women's education to work in sweatshops and garment factories, is that justice? When I was conversing with colleagues this week, I mean Nadia, I was reminded that we should read this text alongside what we heard last week. If anybody missed last week, Ellen kicked it out of the park. 
Ellen did so eloquently. And basically, from last week, the disciples wanted to order fire down from heaven on the Samaritans and consume them because they didn't want to receive Jesus. Ellen proclaimed that right now, we want to call down fire from heaven and consume those who we don't like. And my list is long. Ellen definitely challenged me to take a step back and see that that is not what Jesus is calling us to. Ellen said that Jesus is actually calling us to reckless mercy, something this world does not understand. We certainly don't understand, but something that can truly transform our world. So when the disciples want to try out their pyro summoning spells, I can imagine Jesus turning his head and being like, when did I ever tell you to do that? I love these scenes from Luke because we get to see some disciples who, according to me, have finally got their shit together and now they're spreading the news and bringing justice to the world. And the disciples, and now this week, the 70, like humans do with newfound power, are a little zealous. Or should we say overzealous? They want to bring the good news to those who are ignorant, those that have the wrong belief, those who have the wrong politics. And if they don't accept Jesus, they will have fire cast down on them now and most certainly be met with the scorching fires of hell in the end. Gosh, I love discipleship. (laughs) And it's so easy to do this today. We hear it all around us. Damn to you if you don't do this or do that. Fire from heaven upon you if you don't believe what I believe or vote the way I vote. There is so much anger, so much shame, so much ego. And I have to say, all sides have fallen short and we have somehow come to conflate our agenda with God's agenda. We are in need of an inescapable vulnerability. And that sure convicts me. What I loved about our time in Cambodia was that we learned not just to hear from one side. We were invited to lean into the tension. I want to call this approach an inescapable vulnerability. It was inescapable because harm was done if we did not actively name and counteract our limited worldviews and ego. It was also quite vulnerable because we had to give up the, prov- the privilege of naiveness that we often have when we were traveling. I had to soften the radical feminism in me that wanted to shout at men and free women. We had to learn about accompaniment, about walking with. We had to learn to be curious rather than accusatory. I had to learn how to withhold the immediate judgment I felt because of my privilege and limited worldview. Jesus is walking us through an inescapable vulnerability. They're pretty much marching orders. One, show up. Two, say peace to this house. So in my brain, Wiley's brain, I immediately think, these people will be at peace when they agree that patriarchy is bad and they give women power. There will be peace when they have actual houses with four walls, so-called development, 
No rebar showing, paint, a door, a roof, not just a tarp, and of course, electricity and Wi-Fi. And they better be off the grid, right? (laughs) Ego kicks in. I want to bring peace to the people. But Jesus is not talking about our ideas of peace. Jesus is talking about God's peace, a peace of which God is the subject. And that's hard for me and my ego. Next, Jesus says to eat and drink with them. There is nothing like a meal to shut us up and awaken us to the people, the stories, the culture, God around us. It is the table of grace. It is Eucharist. It is a table where Jesus is the host, God is the subject, and we develop a posture of humility and vulnerability, a softening of our ego. That was very academic sounding. We are put on our ass. That sounds better. And finally, we are supposed to heal them. Now you know where Wiley's brain is going to go. And I think Jesus also anticipates this. Because there's a part when the 70 come back and report back to Jesus and they immediately exclaim, see the demons listen to us. We have the power. (laughs) And Jesus gently reminds us, just like that time we wanted to call down fire from heaven on our enemies, Jesus says, wait, where did you get that from? The ego speaks so loudly, and yet I miss it all so often. We proclaim that we have the power, but really Jesus has the power. The ego trip is real. And I hate to admit it, our ego trip does not bring the kingdom. Jesus is clear that if the town denies them welcome, dust the dirt off your sandals, go ahead and brush your shoulders off, The human tendency is to respond by wanting to cast down fire from heaven. And somehow we think that we alone can bring God's righteousness. In wiping the dust off our sandals, we brush off our ego and the kingdom of God has come near. Not our agenda. Not our flavor. Not our political manifesto. And I think our therapists would agree that this is a lot healthier than calling down fire from heaven. And it is the very thing that Jesus does in his own body as he self-empties so that he might save us from ourselves and the evil in this world on the cross. Jesus could have become a hippie and moved off-grid, but instead... As the incarnation of God, exactly. Jesus chooses an inescapable vulnerability amongst us sinners and saints so that we may be freed and learn to be vessels of God's freedom for others. Dear house, when we lose our way, when we become overzealous or begin to summon fire from heaven to rain down on our enemies, Lure us back to your table and invite us to share in a meal that tastes of freedom. In the inescapable inescapable vulnerability of breaking bread and wine with all creation, we experience God's kingdom. 
we confess that we solely, that by solely trusting ourselves, our agenda, our politics, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We deny the truth that we are desperately in need of God and of each other. So may we come, eat and drink with each other over a meal of grace, a meal that strips us of our privilege, our ego, and fills us with God's grace and peace. May we eat and drink with each other and smile at all the people around the table, especially the ones widely cursed in driving today on I-25. And may we smile at the people that we hope to God would never be there, because they are there. It is an inescapable vulnerability that not our will, but God's will be done. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. If you would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, please visit our website at houseforall.org and click on Give.